0: And welcome to Lakeshore Update. I'm Dee Dotson. On this edition of the podcast, you'll hear the latest on a request for submissions to redraw the new Lake County District boundaries. Brandi Smith reports Governor Eric Holcomb is opposed to proposed legislation that would effectively stop private businesses from imposing COVID-19 vaccine mandates. And Chris Nolte has a conversation with Indiana University Northwest Professor of Economics Micah Pollock about the impact of COVID-19 on Northwest Indiana. All of that and more on this edition of Lakeshore Update. Anyone interested in submitting a map for Lake County's new council and commissioner districts has until Monday to do it. Proposed maps are due to the Indiana Election Division by 11 a.m. Central Time on November 29th. On December 10th, Indiana Election Commission members will convene as the Lake County Redistricting Commission to take public comment on the proposed maps. That meeting will be held at 1.30 p.m. at the Lake County Government Center in Crown Point. The commission will then finalize the districts on December 17th.
1: You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson.
0: Masks will soon be optional for students in the Crown Point School Corporation. The school board met earlier this week and voted to make mask optional in all Crown Point School Corporation buildings beginning December 6th. School officials are asking families, students, and staff to conduct daily screenings of symptoms and to keep six students at home.
1: You're listening to Lakeshore Update with D. Dotson. A
0: Northwest Indiana Mass Transit Organizations received a GTS award this year from the Hoosier Environmental Council. Gary Public Transportation Corporation received the Environmental Justice Advocate of the Year Award for having improved existing bus service while expanding service and for working with food scarcity organizations to study shopping accessibility and scheduling transit adjacent farmers markets gptc discounted bus passes is creating bike share programs with downtown developers and are working to improve landscaping to reduce the heat island effect all aimed at advancing equity the gts award was made virtually at last weekend's greening the state house conference
1: You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson.
0: A Porter County farm sold at auction this month for a whopping $17,306 per square acre, nearly double the average price for top-quality farmland in the state. The buyers are two farmers in neighboring LaPorte County with plans to use the ground for expanding their operations. Jonathan Kraft auction off the property at 510 East 100 South in Morgan Township outside Valparaiso before nearly 50 bidders. He told the Times that the 199 acres belonging to the estate of Lawrence Greiger went for slightly more than $3.4 million. Kraft said... A nearby realtor recently sold a farm for about $12,000 per acre, while a farm in the southeast part of the state brought in roughly $16,000 per acre at auction.
1: You're listening to Lakeshore Update with D. Dodson.
0: CVS plans to shutter 300 stores nationwide over the next three years as it pivots to offering more primary care and minute clinic services, as well as prescription delivery services. The Times reports the Rhode Island-based pharmacy chain, the nation's largest, won't say how many stores it may close in northwest Indiana, where it currently operates more than 35 locations across the region, and recently took over the homegrown Fagan Pharmacy chain. Charlie Rice Minoso, a spokesperson for CVS, says the organization is trying to avoid layoffs. He goes on to say that opportunities to work at other locations will be offered to all impacted colleagues.
1: You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. Parents continue speaking
0: out against Valparaiso Community Schools' mass mandate even as the number of COVID-19 cases creeps back up. Superintendent Dr. Jim McCall recently told the school board that there were 25 positive cases the previous week, putting 25 students in quarantine.
2: Additionally, though, another 80 students were identified as close contacts. However, they were exempt from quarantine due to the fully masked environment.
0: Under the current orders from the Indiana Department of Health, close contacts don't have to quarantine if they don't have symptoms and the school requires face masks. But seven people voiced their opposition to Valpo's mandate, saying the decision should be left up to parents. Brad Holong felt that just because something is put in place by the state does not mean it's best for kids.
2: My son, who has now chosen to stay home because of what's happened to him in your school building, has told me today, you know what, I don't want to go back to school with kids in masks because it's like people walking around faceless zombies. And that's what he sees every day in his school. And that makes me sad.
0: Others argued that the mask mandate doesn't accommodate students with special needs. Board member Dr. Rob Berend agreed that the state's decision to condition quarantining on mask wearing solely in the classroom did not make much sense to him. But he said he didn't want the school corporation to break the law even if others appear to be doing it, even if others appear to be doing it. Meanwhile, a Valparaiso High School senior thanked board members for the mask mandate, saying they've done a great job of protecting the students.
1: You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson.
0: Football and soccer fans at Valparaiso High School will walk among the legends with the opening of the new Legacy Walk. So far, 318 personalized bricks have been placed on the Legacy Walk with more to come in future years. Superintendent Jim McCall proposed the fundraiser to the Valparaiso Schools Foundation, which agreed to support it. Foundation Executive Director Molly Phelps said the fundraiser supports student scholarships, classroom grants, and student athletic teams and clubs. Phelps told the Times that as a result of support for the Legacy Walk Bricks, $75,000 in scholarships and $50,000 in teacher grants have been awarded this school year alone.
1: You're listening to Lakeshore Update
0: with Dee Dotson. The Indiana Department of Health has announced COVID-19 boosters are available for all Hoosiers 18 and older regardless of occupation, age, or underlying health conditions. Indiana Public Broadcasting's Lauren Chapman reports the announcement follows recommendations from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention late last Friday.
1: Any fully vaccinated Hoosiers 18 and older can go to ourshot.in.gov to receive a booster shot as long as they are six months from their last dose of Pfizer or Moderna. Those who received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine are eligible for a booster shot two months after their initial dose, according to the CDC's recommendations. The CDC's earlier guidance says you can choose Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson as your booster dose, no matter what vaccine you originally received. More than 650,000 Hoosiers have already received booster shots. For Indiana Public Broadcasting, I'm Lauren Chapman. You're listening to
0: Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. Governor Eric Holcomb Monday would not throw his support behind proposed legislation that would effectively stop private businesses from imposing COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Indiana Public Broadcasting's Brendan Smith reports, Holcomb says he wants to talk with legislators about the issue.
2: The proposed legislation would force employers to accept their employees' medical or religious exemptions to getting the vaccine while allowing them to include a weekly COVID testing requirement. And it would bar businesses from firing employees for anything having to do with a vaccine mandate. Holcomb has long said he thinks businesses should be able to decide whether to mandate the vaccine.
3: Hopefully Hoosiers uh, show up tomorrow and express their concerns, just like I will with the legislature Members and leaders uh, during this whole process.
2: But this whole process is an extremely limited one. Lawmakers will hold just one committee hearing on the bill Tuesday and then plan a one day session to pass the measure on November 29th. For Indiana Public Broadcasting, I'm Brandon Smith at the State House.
1: You're listening to Lakeshore Update with D. Dotson.
0: The Indiana Department of Workforce Development said it is working to connect Afghan refugees at Camp Attlebury with jobs in the state. Indiana Public Broadcasting's Justin Hicks reports, it says employers are eager to hire the roughly 700 refugees who hope to become Hoosiers. The department has opened a special Work One
3: Employment Services Center, open three days a week. There, refugees get general information about what employment is like in the United States. For those looking to stay in Indiana... DWD has career skills and language assessments, along with adult education programs to prepare them for local jobs. Mike Barnes, DWD's chief workforce officer, says their work, along with an outpouring of public support, is attracting some migrants to settle down in Indiana.
1: The more we're working with them, the more people are saying, well, I I said I wanted to go to California, but I think I want to stay here.
3: Barnes says they'll operate as long as the camp remains open to migrants. He expects it to be consolidated
1: around the end of the year. For Indiana Public Broadcasting, I'm Justin Hicks. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with
0: Dee Dotson. A recent report found that while the tech industry is growing in Indiana, a vast majority of young businesses have fewer than 20 employees. Indiana Public Broadcasting's Samantha Horton reports the Indiana Technology and Innovation Association wants to push state lawmakers in the upcoming session to help grow small employers
1: into larger ones. Venture capital activity in the state declined in the most recent Indiana Chamber of Commerce 2021 report card, moving the state from 30th to 36th in the country. In 2017, the state legislature passed $250 million through the Next Level Fund to invest in businesses and venture funds. Mike Langelier is the CEO of TechPoint, a nonprofit growth accelerator based in Indianapolis. He says while the industry has seen growth, there's still a lot of potential waiting to be untapped.
3: We're trending in the right direction of companies that have started and since 2010 and still exist. You know, we're seeing growth there, but at the top end, those companies are not translating into large employers at the rate that we want
1: them to. One of the organization's priorities is to accelerate the deployment of the next level fund dollars and create new venture capital funds for Indiana based companies. For Indiana Public Broadcasting, I'm Samantha Horton.
0: TechPoint is part of the Central Indiana Corporate Partnership. CICP also provides support for Indiana Public Broadcasting.
1: You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson.
0: Here's regionally speaking host Chris Nolte with a conversation with Indiana University Northwest Professor of Economics Micah Pollack.
2: Indiana University Northwest Associate Professor of Economics, Micah Pollack, is one of our frequent contributors to the program. And uh, we're checking in today to find out the latest that he's had put out there online and and with others about not only the the COVID-19 pandemic, but about the state of the economy here in Northwest Indiana. And Micah, thanks for joining us on the program.
3: Thanks for having me, Chris.
2: Well, let's first take a look at uh, where we stand right now, at least here in Northwest Indiana, maybe the rest of the state involving the the coronavirus pandemic. I know that we're seeing another surge in cases, uh, particularly in some counties around Northwest Indiana. Uh, Where do we stand right now around that as well as the state?
3: Yeah, so we've we've definitely entered into another wave of uh, COVID-19, if you will. Uh, Sometime around the middle of October, things bottomed out and then cases started to rise again. Um, this is actually the the wave that is kind of beginning at the highest case level we've ever had mm. so far. So you know even though we've got vaccinations taking place and a lot of people are, are much more protected than it would have been a year ago, this start of this wave is at the highest level we've ever began a wave at. Um, and it's been increasing at pretty much the highest rate we've seen uh, as well. So so that's not such great news going into the holiday season for mm-hmm.
2: sure. Now, I guess we have the Delta variant once again to blame for that. It's a very tricky, very stubborn virus. And I know that's the problem we're running into now. Uh, how do things stand as far as uh, trying to find ways, and I know that there's a, a move afoot on Capitol Hill to create a, a COVID origin commission. Some of the uh, U.S. senators uh, have been talking about that. They want to get a, a commission set up to be able to look further, maybe more so than what has been done so far, into the uh, origins of the virus and the impact it's had not only uh, around the United States but around the country. What are your thoughts about that possibly being a, a- like way to look into it, and maybe hoping us find ways to. In worst-case scenario, I guess, scenario would be if we have another pandemic of some sort.
3: Yeah, so I think um, it's important for us to kind of do the research and, and do the background work on you know how this originated and, and how it's you know and how it came to be. Um, but but I think it's a little bit academic because you know it's here, it's spreading wherever you know it originated from, and, and how it originated um, is it, not really relevant to how it's being transmitted now. I mean, the Delta variant, these other variants are arising you know, among people that are infected now. And so, you know, we may continue to see, we probably will continue to see variants, you know, as a result of it continuing to spread now. So I think it's, you know, it's fine to look into kind of the the past so that we can try to prevent this from happening again. But this is still very much a problem that we're dealing with currently. And, and, And kind of resolving this and getting us out of the pandemic should be the focus for sure.
2: Now, certainly has the pandemic uh, continued to cause problems, uh, not only for people uh, who are, are trying to stay well so they can work, but look for jobs and not only them, but also employers who have been affected very seriously by the pandemic, looking for people to come to work for them. And, and we're looking in particular in here in northwest Indiana.
3: Yeah, So we're in a very tight labor market Um It's kind of indirectly caused by the pandemic Um, with all the changes to how workers work and the types of jobs that have been available in the last uh, two years or so. It's kind of fundamentally altered um, the entire labor market nationally and and here in northwest Indiana. So we're we're back to roughly the same unemployment rate today that we had before the pandemic in northwest Indiana, about 4.95 percent. Uh, unemployment rate. But the big difference is our labor force is a lot smaller. We have about 5% fewer people working and looking for jobs in Northwest Indiana today than we did before the pandemic. And a big part of that is that people decided that you know they didn't really necessarily want to work anymore, being you know, forced to stay home and, and take care of their kids and, and deal with uh, you know sick kids and sick relatives. Uh, a lot of people realize you know, child care costs are, are more than I maybe I was making for my job. And so we have a large number of people that simply are choosing not to enter labor force, again, not to come back. And then on top of that, uh, we have a lot fewer Americans working multiple jobs. And this is, I think, where you really see, uh, you know, some of the retail industry, the fast food industry getting hit. Uh, You know, before the pandemic, you would have a lot of people that would, you know, take on a second or a third job, maybe, you know, a part-time job at fast food um, to kind of make ends meet. And um, that's not happening anymore. So not only do we have fewer workers, but those workers are working fewer jobs. And so it's become a very tight labor market. And we see uh, wages going up, not just for, you know, lower income jobs, but actually across the board, you start to see kind of higher income jobs, you know, jobs with remote options, um, those kinds of jobs are also experiencing kind of a crunch right now.
2: Are we seeing uh, in this case also people uh, who are maybe close to retirement and some people who maybe actually have actually retired from other uh, jobs, uh, deciding that they need to get back into the workforce because of the, the pandemic and, and the fact that their income isn't quite as robust as it has been, as well as those people who are just reassessing what they should be doing with their lives.
3: Yeah, I mean the, the the pandemic was really kind of a wake up call to to take a break and to stop and think about where you're going. You know, are you happy with your job? Are you happy with the career options it provides? Um, you know, do you feel comfortable with that? And and if you don't, um, you know, maybe the labor force, maybe switch to something else. We saw a real rise in you know what's called the gig economy, delivering groceries and and that kind of stuff. That, you know, uh, you know, driving people around for Uber, things like that. And you know, with those types of jobs, you often have a lot more control over when you work, how much you work. Um, The safety when you work and those types of things that maybe previously was something you do on the side, maybe blossom into a full time job and you, you don't really want to go back to your kind of traditional full time job.
2: You mentioned about the fact that uh, we have the, the situation where workers are reassessing their lives here, and they're not uh, taking on the extra jobs because of the pandemic. How about the employers here in Northwest Indiana? How do they stand these days? And because they're the ones having the most problems, especially in some sectors of the economy, trying to find those workers.
3: Yeah, and I think yeah, they definitely are struggling. And you've seen probably signs of you know relatively high wages, you know, higher wages than traditionally be offered in say fast food or retail. And, and even with that, they're having trouble attracting workers. And uh, unfortunately, it's, a, it's kind of a, a new reality that they're going to have to a- adapt to with a tight labor market. I'm, I mean, we just don't have as many workers. We don't have as many people willing to work. We don't have as many people willing to work as many jobs. And so you're going to have to find ways to either you know, be the one that gets the worker. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean providing higher wages. It could mean you know, greater flexibility in when they work or how long they work or the type of environment. Um, you know, Nobody wants to work in an environment where you're getting yelled at by the customer. So what steps can you take to Make that work environment, you know, less toxic. Uh, uh, you know, things like that have to change. And then others, you know, are just going to have to figure out how to get by with fewer workers because, like I said, there simply aren't as many people looking for work and, and wanting to work as there were before. And I, I frankly don't see that changing too much in the near future.
2: Do we find uh, that with this fact that the employers are having more difficulties than maybe before, aside from the, the pandemic, trying to find the, the workers to fill the jobs that they happen to have? Is that going to make it difficult for them to be able to uh, plan for the future? In particular, trying to expand their businesses. Uh, we see a lot more businesses uh, wanting to come into Northwest Indiana. In fact, uh, just recently, we've gotten word uh, in uh, sections of the county, in Lake County, we should say, uh, where we have uh, a couple companies that are interested in creating uh, new businesses, uh, laundry services uh, businesses that are related to either to the healthcare industry or, or just industrial uh, laundry purposes. So we see some interesting situations that are coming here. The businesses do want to locate in Northwest Indiana and even in Lake County in particular.
3: Yeah, I think that businesses that, um, you know, want to hire workers and keep them on, they want to provide a good work environment, they want to provide good retirement benefits, good health care, uh, and make it a career are not going to have trouble finding workers because those are the kinds of jobs that people are looking to switch to. Uh, you know, if, if it's a type of job that has high turnover, that people just kind of work short-term to kind of make ends meet, um, you know, those are the jobs I think are going to be uh, difficult to fill. So I, I think it, it, it's kind of shifting employers to think more about how do I attract workers and, and, and keep them on for a longer period of time and maybe make it into a career for them and, and give them, you know, the opportunity to, to grow and to, you know, move up in the ranks. And, and I think that's a healthy thing because, you know, it's not good for the workers. It's not good for the firms when we have really high turnover rates. Um, You know, I think it would be nice if we move back towards kind of longer term career options in some of these industries.
2: Are we finding as well that we have uh, businesses that are interested in expanding or coming into uh, Lake County in particular and, and some of the surrounding counties as well? But we're also uh, finding uh, new opportunities out there that are finally developing. And, and some of them, I'm sure, will develop more now that the uh, the, the federal infrastructure bill has become law. i thinking in particular like uh, those in expanding areas uh, like, uh, like broadband, Internet and uh, in, uh, in renewable energy.
3: Yeah, I think we're seeing a big shift kind of nationally in terms of how our economy operates, much more interested in interest in, you know, green technology, uh, stuff like that. Uh, the Internet is playing even more of an important role than it did already because of all of the remote work and the working from home. And, and this is something that, that, that kind of nas- nationally and even you know globally is shifting. And I, I think Indiana is in a pretty good position uh, to take advantage of that with, you know, the infrastructure we have and, you know, the connectivity and, and the labor force on and, and being close to Chicago. I mean, you know, it's very possible that we could attract, you know, jobs from chicago that you could work here in Los Angeles, indiana and you know do some of the work remotely and if you need to go in you know it's close enough that that, that might be possible um so i think we're in a pretty good position Um, But again, this is something that everyone is struggling with everywhere in the United
2: States. Do you think it might be the double benefit uh, from the expansion on the South Shore line, besides uh, having uh, the additional uh, construction workers come in to actually do the work to put in the new tracks, uh, the north and south tracks running from Hammond down into Dyer, and the expansion of the line, the double tracking we're talking about uh, between uh, Gary and and, uh, Michigan City, and maybe even further to the east as well? And then you're talking about all of these uh, transit-oriented developments, these companies that want to create businesses and take advantage of these people who get to live along the line uh, rather than have to commute to Chicago.
3: Yeah, absolutely. When you talk to people that are maybe just graduating college here in Northwest Indiana, almost all of them used to say, well, I just want to get out of Northwest Indiana. I want to move to Chicago. I want to, you know, go someplace where there's more jobs and there's an environment where I want to live. And we're slowly seeing that shift. And our population drain is, is slowing, so we don't have as many young people moving away. We have many more staying here than ever did before. Um, and, and that's ultimately a good thing for our local economy. We want to be a place where people want to live and raise their family and, and make a life, not a place where they just get out of it and use a stepping stone to move on.
2: So I guess Northwest Indiana does still have a, quite a future with expansion of businesses and industry in the region, even though we're still dealing with the pandemic.
3: Oh, absolutely, and and everyone is dealing with a pandemic everywhere. So, so that doesn't, you know, not unique to our location either.
2: Micah, thank you for joining us to talk about uh, the issues involving not only the coronavirus pandemic, but also uh, how business in Northwest Indiana is uh, faring, as well as uh, wanting to expand as well. And we hope to have you back again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Always a pleasure. Micah Pollock is a Indiana University Northwest associate professor of economics, talking about the economy here in the region and the impact coronavirus pandemic has on it.
0: Regionally speaking, with host Chris Nolte. Kim- be heard each Monday through Thursday at 11 a.m. on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM and streaming online at lakeshorepublicradio.org where you can also find podcasts of the show when you click on the program link. For the latest in local news and information, tune in Monday at 6 a.m. for Morning Edition with local host Chris Nolte. Lakeshore Update is supported by the listeners and members of Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. Podcasts for Lakeshore Update are posted each Friday on our website, lakeshorepublicradio.org, as well as on NPR One. Make sure you search for WLPR and select us as your home station. Music for Lakeshore Update was written and produced by Binsound.com. For lecture update, I'm D Dotson.